Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen... I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Show. I am Blake Harrison. Joining me as always is Stu Whiffin, but no one cares about him because we've got a very special <laughs> guest with us today. We've got Sam Person. How are hey, you doing, mate? Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm so glad I was actually able to come on. Before, I, before the fight, I was meant to come on and I had to cancel, which is not like me. So thank you for having me on. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we had to, we didn't obviously want to say anything about that, but like you, you, you were a bit poorly before yes. the fight, weren't you? You weren't too well. Yeah, like Can three weeks. Yeah, of course. I, like three weeks before the fight, I had a chest infection, but it come out of nowhere. Like I said to you, I was coming on yeah. on the Monday, Sunday. I wake up Monday morning, boom! I had like my chest was heavy. If I would have been on here, I wouldn't have been able to talk. It like really closed off my throat. Um, nothing major. Like it, during camp, you get ill. Like it's yeah. such a long period, twelve weeks. That if you go without a cold, I'd be very surprised or something. Um, so yeah, I had a chest infection. A few days on, I was straight back in the gym. I just it literally well, the hardest day was were probably Monday, Tuesday. So the Monday I was meant to be on, yes, I had to cancel, and I was like, it, it annoys me cancelling. I hate cancelling on people or anything. So no, I apologise. It's worked out even better because before that fight, you know, you you were coming off of a, a loss on your UFC debut, but now. You're coming off the show after your first UFC Basking win. in the glory of Basking victory. A <laughs> big pay-per-view event, UFC 297, yep. that happened recently. That's uh, sometimes what's worse, because it's like, it looks like I'm doing them all now because I've won. You know? Yeah. <laughs> if I would have lost, I still would have come on. Like, we Wonderful. arranged it before. I said yeah. that I would come on after yeah, yeah. the fight. Win or, like, win or loss, I didn't, it didn't stop. Yeah. I wouldn't have went, sorry, guys, I can't come on now. I lost. So, yeah. yes... I did win, and it's great now that I have won. But I would have come on if I lost, so boy. So, are you someone that's that's sort of comfortable? Because it always feels awkward for us if a fighter's lost to go right. Come on, and let's just talk about your last fight. Because I, I don't know what's your relationship. Are you comfortable talking about defeat? And because you know we was at that that yeah. that, that fight, and yeah, it was it was it was horrible to see, and and I can't imagine what it would have been like for for you. Can you talk us through through that moment? Yeah, like don't get me wrong, losing is sucks and it's horrible, but it is part of the game. Yeah. Um, and it's not so much oh losing or winning, but if I agree to something or say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Nothing will change it unless it's something serious like a, an infection or I'm ill. So a loss or a win is not going to determine me sticking to what I said I'm going to do. Um, yeah, the loss was horrible. Don't, no one likes to lose. I don't anyway. I don't know about yeah. other people. Mine come in second place, but I do not like to lose, and especially in that way. You know, yeah. I didn't even get to show what I was capable of in that fight. Back home in my hometown, 
everything was like built up to be the perfect story. Mm. And then it went from like dream to nightmare very quickly. Yeah. Um, but that's the game. That's the fight game. And some of the best in the world now, champions, lost their debut. Mm. I didn't know that till I obviously lost and I went and done a bit of soul searching, looking deep and yeah. finding out. And I was like, wow, I was so shocked at how many champions and some of the best in the world now lost their debuts and look yeah. what they went on to achieve. So why yeah. can't I be the same? Absolutely. I mean, and we talk about uh, what we're talking about, if, if people aren't aware, is, is was it March of last year? The fight to, against yeah. Ashmoos, which was your, your debut, debut at lightweight in the UFC, yeah. which sadly you lost in, in, the, in the first round. How, how was it after that and then leading into your second fight where you just beat, and let's, let's just enjoy that moment, yeah. beat uh, Laness at UFC 297, got your first UFC win, but that was up at welterweight. What was the, uh, that transition like going from, shit, I've just lost my debut, the negative feelings around that, and then having to pick yourself up and get prepared for UFC 297? Yeah, like straight after the fight, I had to take time anyway. I broke my nose in a couple of places, so I had to take time off, which I am the worst person. I'm better if I'm training all the time, yeah. regardless of fighting. I always like to train. And um, having to take time off and actually let my body heal, I wanted to ride that wrong. Like everyone does, you want to get straight. You don't want to sleep on it. You don't want to wait and wait and wait because it just builds up all them negative thoughts. It gets like, you go down a rabbit hole. So my thought was, all right, let's, as soon as I'm healthy, let's get back to it. Let's go show what I'm actually capable of. Because before that fight, I was on like an eight fight win streak. I can't let that one fight determine my career or who I am. So yeah, like I, as soon as I was healthy, they wanted me back on the next London card was July, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. yep. So it would have been a quick turnaround, but because of my nose and if I had to let heal, I literally would have went from healing straight into a training camp. So I don't know if I would have been like any more improved or just the same person. So I said I couldn't do that card, um, but a month later or so, so they put me on the France card, um, was September. So I went out to Thailand, trained there, and I just wanted to get back to it. Obviously, you're having negative thoughts, you're having positive thoughts but you just get on with it. At the end of the day, that's kind of like, you can let it control you or you can control it, so. How important is your coach in, in this kind of situation? We've kind of like, you know, not just training you physically to fight, but kind of picking you up from, from their moments. Yeah, and the only person that really know, uh, knew what I was going through was my coach, because my coach back in the day was in the UFC. He unfortunately had two losses in the UFC and got cut. So he was the only person that knew how I was feeling. Yeah. Like, you can easily say, uh, don't like losing and all the all the like generic stuff that everyone says but how you actually feel and how you tell people is totally different obviously I had to deal with them demons and that that feeling but he understood because he had been through the same thing and again he like I said he lost his debut he lost his next fight and then was cut from the UFC and we've always my coach and myself he's always wanted me to do better than he did so he was he understood what I was going through and um he, he kind of just let me be. Like, he's not one of them coaches that smubs you with anything. He, if you need him, you can ask, but he will not. He just lets you get on with it um, and lets you deal with it. So, yeah, I wanted to get a quick turnaround. Went into France um, and, like, building up to that fight, I was dropping back down to lightweight and I got really sick. Like, no chest infection. Like, I was bad. Like, I had to have heart, che like heart checks and stuff like that because I've always had a low heart rate, but I trained so much that I was doing, like, a marathon a week and everything not for the right reason. I was doing that to make weight. I was training so hard that I had to make so My heart rate was really low. And then my blood pressure dropped. I went through like, and my heart, obviously, when you both drop at the same time, you start getting faint and passing out. And I believe that was me just depleting my body to go back down to lightweight. After, yeah, since I was 16 making lightweight, I think it was that was the final straw. I was kind of like, like I'm done with making lightweight. 
So when you say you were doing a marathon a week, was that just like you were just over the over the course of a week you were running the yeah, length yeah, of yeah. A, a length of a marathon, marathon a week on top and of that training was just to to make that cut down to yeah, like because like, you're six foot three, right? six three, yeah, six yeah. Three. And you don't, I mean, like, there's Jalen Turner's out there who's yep. another like six foot three lightweight, and, and everyone's it, like, how does he make the weight? And sometimes he doesn't, and I didn't want to be one of them. Yes, you know when you walked mean? into that, I was surprised how tell you was, and I was thinking, how did he find that way? And that's what I mean. And again, yeah. I, I used to make it quite comfortably. Like again, even me making, I'll do it. But at a co- like a cost, you know what I mean? I was killing myself. But for, since I was 16, I've been making lightweight. So and everything was going right. Why change it? But over the years, I'm not the same size. I was like walking around at 77 when I was uh, 16. Yeah. Now I'm walking around at bloody 88, 89, yeah. still trying to get to 70. Uh, yeah. Your body of like matures and everything. So yeah, it was tough, and um, it was just time to move up. And I always said, being six three, I knew I wouldn't be outsized at welterweight as in height. So I can let my body fill out and I'll be okay as a welterweight. And I said, if it got too much going to lightweight, then I would just move up. And that yeah. was the final straw. Falling sick. My health comes first, like at the end of this. I want to ask you about the cuts and stuff, but you just made me think of something. When you were talking about getting back in there quick after quite a, a, a devastating knockout in the Ashmoos fight, it leads me to think of the Alexander Volkanovsky situation against Tapuria. Because for me, I was really pleased that you didn't turn around quickly. I was thinking to myself, after a knockout like that, I'd like to see a fighter take their time, recover, get their durability back, all those kinds of things that you hear about and all that kind of stuff. Do you look at the fact that you had something along the lines of about 10 months between fights? Is that sort of maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise? And how do you feel about someone like Volkanovsky, who we're huge fans of on the show, going from that devastating Islam Makachev knockout in October to fighting someone with real power in his hands in Tapuria in February? Yeah, like, like you said, a blessing in disguise, but I can look at that now because I've come out the other end of it and I'm yeah. a welterweight and I've won my de- like debut at welterweight, so I can say that. It's one of them things, like it's hindsight. Like if he goes in there and loses, if he goes in there and loses, he's going to go, oh, maybe I should have took more time. But if he goes in there and wins, and this won't even be a conversation. You'll go, oh, he was just a guy. You know what I mean? But I understand his thought. Like I feel like fighters, our minds are stronger than our bodies sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like he want to get in there and just right that wrong. Again, yeah. it was a lightweight what happened to him at, um, with Islam. Mm-hmm. So him thinking featherweight, it's like a new chapter. It's like I'm going back to where I was dominant. So there's no, like, he's just like flip the switch as if that never happened. I can only imagine that's what he's thinking. But it don't matter how tough your brain is or like your mind is, your body is still, has it recovered? Who knows? And we won't know till he steps in there. What, 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 given, given that you have experienced something a little bit like that, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think oh, four months is a bit soon? Or do you think, no, nah, that's, that's fine? Again, if I would have been fighting in France quick turnaround if I didn't yeah. get ill and I was fighting a lightweight and maybe I would have lost again hindsight it's like yeah. it worked to me it weren't too soon because yeah. I was trying to fight like yeah. I would have thought I would have done the same thing yeah. um, it would have been four or five months after I got knocked out really bad but something went wrong for me that turned out to be a blessing in disguise but I would have done the same as him if I didn't get ill I would have been the one turning around yeah. in France and it could have went well it could have went wrong but we'll never know um, maybe it was, I take it as a blessing in disguise. And like I said, it was the final straw. Like I needed that to go wrong as well. Yeah. Cause I was trying to make lightweight again. And after my Vegas trip, when I fought in the contender series, I had a DEXA scan, um, at the PI right, after, yeah. and I was 80, two days after the fight, 84 kilos with 8% body fat. How on earth am I losing 14 kilos? Um, it must be eating at my muscle. It must be taking yeah. water out of my brain. Like really too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously the Ashmood fight, and then um, falling ill. So, again, my situation, 
it's a blessing, but he goes out there and wins, this ain't even a conversation. You're going to yeah. turn around, forget the whole, what happened to him with Islam, you're going to forget it all. You're yeah. going to go, oh, he's the man. Volkanovski's the man. But Tapoya is no joke, you know, like he's that young, hungry, the exact same as who Volkanovski was. Yes. He's that coming up. He's yeah. that hungry, hungry guy that's yeah. skilled all over the board. But had he stayed at Feather and not gone up and fought Islam at Lightweight, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No. We'd be like, Volk's no. still the pound-for-pound pound best. Yeah. He's yeah. untouchable. And yeah. you wouldn't be questioning him. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right. The Tapuria does look like he's got dynamite in his yeah. hands, yeah. doesn't he? And like you said, it's not the fact of skill. It's the fact of how, has he come back too soon from his, yeah. the knockout, which was pretty yeah. devastating. Yeah. That's, the, that's the conversation. That's the, like, the start yeah. of the conversation is that point. Um, skill for skill. Like you said, if he stayed at featherweight, this never happened, he got knocked out. Yeah. We'd be saying, what a great fight coming up. Yeah. You'd just be talking about the matchup, but yeah. it is a factor. Him yeah. getting knocked out four months ago, even though it might not seem it, it is a talking point. It is a factor. We'll find out next next month. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, this month. It's this February. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's in so, like two weeks. We'll find out in two weeks. <laughs> let's let's go back to, the, to to your weight cut and that that situation. How did you approach that? Did you feel like you had to? Because again, you you're moving up in weight class and and from lightweight to welterweight, it's not like a lot of the other weight class where there's just ten pounds difference. There's that extra five pounds or fifteen pounds difference. You're fighting guys with even more power and all that kind of stuff, did you decide, I'm just not going to cut weight as much, so therefore you maintain that durability and all that kind of stuff? Or did you think, I have to add some muscle and size and then cut? So how did you approach it? Yeah, I looked to put on the size. Um, I took the right um, amount of time. I remember speaking to uh, Michael Chiesa at the PI, um, and he turned around, because obviously everyone that sees me kind of... How do you make lightweight? Like that kind yeah, of yeah. is the first thing that comes out. And he obviously went from, he went up to well weight and he said to me, there'll come a time that you have to go up. Um, just do it correctly. Cause they're big boys up there. Like you said, it's 15 pounds, not yeah. 10 pounds. Um, I believe the last couple of years I've been a welterweight fighting a lightweight. I've just allowed my body to fill out. And I did, I thought, like I said, September, I got sick. So I got healthy. And then I messaged the PI. Um, they put a strength and conditioning program to, together for me. Wow. And I spent four or five, I know it's not, and I'm still building into the frame now, but I'd begun that process. I spent four or five weeks putting on a bit of muscle, allowing my body to fill out. Like I said, I weren't like 80 kilos going, oh, I don't want to cut to lightweight. I was walking around 88, 89 kilos. That's yeah. how I full. When I messaged the PI and told them the weight I was and I'm wanting to put on a bit of muscle and size, they were like, you're a full-size world weight anyway. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> it's not like I was trying to put on weight. I wasn't struggling to put on weight. That's the problem. So, yeah, I took the time, put on a bit of extra muscle, and I'm still doing I'm doing the same now. Yeah. I'm a training junkie. I love it. I do nothing else but from train and try to look for them 1%. So, as soon as I got back from this fight, I was back in the gym as if I lost it. Really? And I was, I, I got, oh, what did I do? Wednesday, I got home Wednesday. I spent a couple of days in uh, Toronto with my missus and uh, got home Wednesday at 6 in the morning. I was in the gym like by the afternoon, just getting the body moving and yeah. back to it. I, I love this. But we, we can see the, the slight <laughs> kind of bruising under your eye. Is that from a recent kind of training session? Was that from the fight? Where, where did yeah, you this that? was uh, training. I didn't get like no, luckily no damage uh, in, in the fight. No like, black eyes or anything. And then I come out and I'm helping my, because I've got a team that they've got fights, yeah. like uh, fights coming up and they help me get ready. I can't mm-hmm. now just go on, disappear for months and expect yeah. them to come back and help me again. So I'm back in the gym helping them. Don't get me wrong, I'm taking time off the sparring and stuff. I'm trying not to spar as much, yeah. let my brain heal because nothing happened in the fight. I still done 12 weeks before of bashing my body to the limit yeah, yeah. and people only see their two minutes and go, oh, two minutes. But it's not just two minutes. The preparation's yeah. where the damage is done. Mm. Um, so I'm very smart in that way <laughs> and I took the time. Um, I'm taking the time, like a couple of weeks, fill, it, fill up into my frame and help my teammates. But this, 
last last minute of the last round with one of my teammates playing around, just having fun, and he rolled under to like weave a shot and he whacked me straight in the eye and I black eye straight away. I was like I'd go in the UFC I'd done a fight in the UFC come out unscathed <laughs> go back to training I'm coming out like I've been in a fight and I was like I can't even it's like it's been two weeks now so I can't even blag it and go yeah it was in the fight yeah. it weren't in the fight it was like training that's, oh, I was about crazy. to say it didn't look like you took a shot in the fight really no and that's what I see my friends at the weekend and they say I'm going, God, you took a shot. Like, I didn't realise you took it. No, I didn't. This was training. <laughs> like, I can't even get away with it. It's crazy. I mean, the, the picture that we've got on the screen now is, is at the end of the fight. Um, I know when we, we pulled this picture up and we'd done the post-fight show and we, we spoke about your win on there, uh, I think you referenced it looked like you dropped your watch uh, and was looking for it. But to give that picture some, uh, some context... Um, as we've said that and drawn attention to it, the TV is going to turn off in 50 seconds. seconds. But you mentioned, you did mention that um, you've been training with, and we spoke about bowing when you walk into a gym, and you mentioned that you've been doing some some training with MVP. I wonder if you could sort of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was very fortunate to get um, a few rounds of him before my fight. Um, And then I was like, he's obviously come down again since then. Obviously, the um, broadcaster or whoever was on the thing made out I've done a full training camp with him. I wish I did, but I haven't. Um, he just come down for one sparring session. And, um, yeah, this is something I've always done. Um, I'm very respect Like, because it seems like before the fight, I'm so focused on the fight, it looks like I'm dis- – not- I don't know if it looks like I'm being disrespectful as in, like, I don't want to shake your hand before we fight. I just want to fight. Let's just get it done. And then I'm respect because I am like you know what I mean? I'm respectful. I'm a martial artist at the end of the day. And this is me showing it. Like, I am a martial artist. But before – it's me or him, you know what I mean? So when you're in there and you see, I remember after the Ash Moves fight, it was like all the, like I know Instagram and everything, it's all hate, but they're like, oh, you should have touched gloves before fighting and stuff. It's like, what, would that have changed the outcome if I would have yeah. touched his hands before? No. no, it's just something I've never done. But after I am fully respectful, I think I bow to all my opponents after the job's done. Um, I don't wish no ill harm on them, but for those 15 minutes, I'm in there to win. And yeah. um, at any like any cost, you know. Do you feel like that could take away some of your intensity if you're like a bit of sportsmanship beforehand or something? Like that? What, I what, what don't think so. I just, that's something I've, I, I don't know if it's like just a. Just don't do it? Yeah, just don't do it. I don't really think that deeply into it. I'm just ready to fight. Like my first yeah. shot is going to be a jab to the nose. I'm not thinking a jab to the hand, you know, I'm mm. thinking yeah. a jab you in the face. So um, I don't think that deep, but other people do. They ask because they're like, yeah. they think it's a factor. To me, it's not. And if someone, maybe. Two fights time, I touch hands. I don't know. In my head, I don't think. I'm just like, let's just fight. Yeah. Like, get it done. Win or, win or lose, it's done. We'll show respect after. We like to uh, ask guests, um, before any of this has happened, what that kind of pre-fight routine is, Sam. So, you know, either before, you know, you, you fight the O2 or, or, or recently um, in, in, in Canada, like, before you get that, that call that, right, you're up, you're on. Like, what's going on in, the, in, in, in that room out the back? How do you kind of sort of manage the, the, the nurse, situation? The everything. Yeah. You just learn to control it. Um, I wouldn't say they go away. You like people say they don't get nervous stuff. Maybe they don't. But for me, I'm still as nervous as I was like my first fight. I've just learned to channel them and use them for my benefit. Like actually as good instead of bad. You just, you know what I mean? You're just ready to get in there now. Like that is the worst bit probably is the weight backstage, the weight before, like the whole week or anything once you're in there it all just goes clear and you just you're focused on those 15 minutes it's actually such a nice feeling i was saying it the other day to someone it's like how often does anyone not just fighters get to just switch off from everything and not think about what's for lunch problems bills all this stuff none of us we all have these thoughts passing through our head all day but when i'm in there and it just you step in there as soon as i step in there it's like nothing else matters 
and it's actually quite a freeing feeling. Um, now I look back, obviously, your nerves, you, you, I don't know if I can swear on it. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah so the For nerves, fuck's sake, Sam, swear. <laughs> I try and stay polite, but yeah, um, the nerves, like you're shitting yourself, don't get me wrong, but they play a factor for yeah. me, they benefit me. Um, if I wasn't on edge and nervous, I wouldn't be as like ready, you know, like, I feel yeah. like that helps me. So yeah, just being clear minded in there and forgetting everything else and those 15 minutes, just being focused on the job at hand. I mean, stress, man- stress management, I'm just trying to think, I'm sure we can think of other ways to uh, not worry about the bills rather than getting in an octagon with yeah, an athlete and getting yeah, the edge kicked in. I might try yoga or something like that. I tried yoga. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, you mentioned in nerves there, and you also mentioned that your your coach had two fights in the UFC. Sadly, lost them both, and then was cut. So, was there extra nerves for this fight? Because obviously, you lost your debut, you're going into a second fight, enemy territory as well. I mean, it turns out that the Canadian men on that card did terribly. <laughs> like yeah, not a single did. Canadian man. One, it was like zero and seven. The two yeah. women won. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was Gillian Robertson and, and Jasmine Jazdavizius won. But all of the seven male Canadian fighters all lost. And um, did you have extra nerves thinking, shit, well, my coach had two fights, then got cut after losing them both. You're one fight away from that happening to you. Or did you did that thought not come into your head? No, it all comes into it. There's no yeah. way it can not, all the doubts, the negativity, it all comes in the head. There's no way I can say that it didn't. Like, you know what I mean? Especially coming off a knockout, it's like, could it happen again? Like, yeah, especially yeah. going against a puncher like Johan. He was known for knocking people out. It was like, mm. God, it's like kryptonite, they would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very much confident from my preparation. I always have been. Um, I've always worked my ass off. So when I step in there, all right, what's going to happen is going to happen. You know what I mean? I put all the work in. It's not like cutting any corners. So um, like I said about channeling it, you can easily, all the negative thoughts can come in. But as long as you're countering them with some positive thoughts, it is going to be what it is going to be. And um, Is that a conscious thing? Are you like negative thoughts come in, got to think of something positive? Or is, how does that work? No, I don't think I think that deeply towards it. Um, I've just learned to cut like, not let because sometimes it's like I saw I think it might have been Bugsy Malone 
on a talking about two treadmills. I don't, I don't know the treadmill analogy, but this is the first time Bugsy Malone has ever been brought up. Oh on yeah, our no, podcast, I follow everything I on everyone. It. Yeah, no, no, Bugsy Malone. I watched that. Like, he talks about his career and like oh, how he's on, I'm become. I'm talking about Bugsy Malone. The oh, musical. I thought we were going to give a little love. Who and are you thinking come of? Back to us. I thought we were going to start singing songs on a musical, right? Bugsy Malone, the musical. You're talking about shoot the, them you're with talking pies? About the No, no, that's too old school for me. Oh, I, I'm talking oh, about the artist. I'm only 27. Yeah, I don't know how old you think I am, but I remember what it is. I remember that from school, but no, I'm talking about. Bugsy You're Malone, talking to the rapper. guy that, where there was a YouTube comment saying, you two are my favourite father-son. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the one. That's yeah. <laughs> really, um, really pleased with that. No, 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 Bugsy Malone, the, uh, you know what I'm on about, yeah? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't you know. don't? No. Musician. Come on. Bugsy Malone to me is Bugsy oh, Malone. Oh, when you finish this, go superstar. check Bugsy Malone. He's got right. some great music. I think it's um, with a Z, not an S. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, I saw him talking about treadmills. <laughs> Bugsy Malone. That's funny. You have to have a look after. But I saw we him talking about two treadmills. We wanted to be. <laughs> it's like uh, you get on the negative treadmill. Once you start one foot, you can, they just start rolling. Yeah. It's like snowball effect. Um, so yeah, you just kind of like everyone has bad thoughts, good thoughts. Uh, you're lying if you say that all you do is think positively. If I step in shit on the way out of it, I'm not going to be thinking, great, what a great day, my new trainers are ruined. Yeah. No, I'm going to have a bad thought. Now what's following that? Mm. You know what I mean? That's, I don't think that yeah. deeply into it, but now you've asked the yeah. question, it makes me think deeper, but it's not that deep. You know what I mean? I'm going to get in there and fight regardless. I'm pretty good at it, so uh, it pays off. Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of the fighters that we see... Uh, get onto the contender series uh, and, and ultimately, or, or just find themselves in the UFC, in the UK, seem to go through cage warriors. And that wasn't the, the, the case for you. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how that come about and was cage warriors an option for you? Yeah, it could have went down either way. Um, I was fighting on the local scene, those smaller shows, um, like Fight Star, ROC, Brad Show. Um, yeah, just getting the rounds in. And then uh, my training partner was training, uh, fighting on Brave, Charlie Leary. At the time, he was fighting it brave. And I got an opportunity, last minute, to step in. And I was like, they were paying, obviously, a bit more money than what I was making before. And at that time, you're thinking, oh, I'm minted. You know what I mean? I'm taking yeah. that opportunity. The money's there. Um, so I went down that route, um, lost, actually. It was like 10 seconds, like the people say, I got stopped early. It is what it is. Um, so I lost that one. And I had to go away and rack up a few more wins on the smaller shows. And they come back around and asked if I wanted another opportunity. But at that point, I was ready. Before I wasn't, I just took an opportunity. But it paid off because now I'm in there, but I'm, they're thinking about who I am. Like, go rack up a few more wins and then come back. And I'd done that. And then, um, yeah, obviously, my training partner moved on to uh, Bellator. Mm-hmm. And I went to Brave. And it was just the path I went down. I knew it was going to be... I didn't want to go down the Bellator route because I, I always had a plan of the UFC from the moment I started this. It was the UFC. So I felt like if I went... Like MVP, it's like going down the Bellator route. I felt like it was Bellator UFC... And then before that, it felt like Cage Warriors or other organisations. And it was just a great opportunity to rack up um, experience, I would say, travelling abroad, fighting in these countries. Because now when I do it in the UFC, it's normal. Whereas if I would have been in Cage Warriors, I would have been fighting UK scene, mm-hmm. never leaving the country. And then it comes to the UFC and they want you to fight in Vegas. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, great. But you don't realise the little details of time zone difference, jet lag, yeah. all these food. Some countries have different food and culture and... They play a factor, especially you're so used to routine and structure of training in the UK. So, yeah, I just went down the brave route, um, carried on winning, and then the Contender Series come along. Wherever I would have went down cage wars thing, I still had the goal to UFC. So either one, I reckon I'll still get to this point today. How was that when you got the call that you Contender Series? It was kind of, I was ready for it, and I believed it was coming. Um, 
I thought I might get straight into the UFC, if I'm honest. Like, I knocked out some ex-UFC uh, fighters, uh, Felipe Silva. I knocked him out, and obviously he was in the UFC. Mm. He lost, but he done very well, too, if you look at some of his fights. And I went and knocked him out in the first round, and I think that put me on the radar. And then I won again, and again. And again, it's just, it's like, if you keep winning, they get, you're going to get the call. Yeah. And that's all it was. I wasn't, like, picking and choosing fights. I was fighting savages from all around the world, Dagestani wrestlers. I was fighting, mm. like I said, ex-UFC people. Sometimes you don't get that experience in cage wars. Maybe you get built correctly or you've got good management. Um, then you, you get to the UFC and then you, there's a big step up. I was fighting high-level guys outside the UFC, yeah. I believe, if you look at their records compared to mine, being like five and one. And I was fighting people mm. that were 23 and two. And I was like, that's the hell. But... That is the thing. Like, we're, we're big Cage Warriors fans on this show, and we love that the As local scene and everything. Yeah. Mm. But you, you did seem when when looking through like your your record and some of your highlight reels and all that kind of stuff, you were fighting a certain kind of like type of fighter like you said the Dagestanis the Russians and all that kind of stuff which you don't get as much on mm. the cage warrior scene and they're the guys at the moment that seem to be killing it in, yeah. in the UFC you look at the weight classes up and down there's always like a, a Russian or Dagestani guy right at the top of, of yes. each division yeah. really and it's probably a real good thing to have got the experience and as you say the time difference is the food right? but then also fighting guys with a certain type of skill set that hopefully in future will really benefit you that you've got that experience. Exactly. Exactly that. That's kind of how it played out. But again, it wouldn't have mattered if I went down the Cage Warriors route. I still believe I would have got to this point. Um, would it have been a big step up? Uh, yes, maybe. But I believed I was going to get to this point anyway. So now it's just like what happened before that was all, it all just played out perfectly. But Either way, it would have got to this point. I was just very fortunate. I went down that path. A lot of people, like you said, cage warriors. I do believe now, um, cage warriors, they go into different places, a bit more European scene. You're getting yes. other fighters in now. So they are building. It just took a bit longer. Maybe I was mm. a bit behind the curve when it started like that. So, yeah, it paid off. And travelling away is actually normal to me. I actually yeah. prefer it. Like, I thought coming home would be great. Mm. Like, I was all my friends, family and everything. I was like, they haven't been able to see me fight. I've been fighting in Saudi Arabia, all these different mm -hmm. countries. I was like, oh, I get to come home and all, everyone can come watch me fight. It just weren't meant to be. I'm more yeah. of like, put me on the road, see it, put me in that yeah. war zone, put me somewhere where I can just disconnect and focus on the job at hand. And yeah. How was it being the bad guy at UFC 297? Because you, because to the home crowds, all Canadians, we've mentioned the the, the fact that the Canadian men didn't do so, so well yeah. at UFC 297. But how was that in the lead, like the days maybe leading up to the fight, and then also like walking out to that crowd? I'm assuming you were booed. You know, is it, you know, yeah. how, was it like quite an enjoyable thing to play like the pantomime villain, or was it like oh no? Did it take pressure off as well? Being like not I, having the, the expectation of maybe the London crowd. Yeah, it's like hit and miss. Like I said, I, in the London crowd, if you watch my walkout from the London card and this card that I just was on, I'm like two different people. I'm interacting with the crowd. I'm loving it in London because I'm like, I'm home. But I've still got to step in a cage and fight someone for like your life or however you want to look at it. But I've still got to fight. I was more focused on everything going around and I was focused on what I had to do. Whereas this one, like you said, the booze and stuff like that, I didn't. I could have been fighting that guy in a car park. I could not care. I was just focused on what I had to do inside the cage. And at this level, you need to be focused on what you're doing in there. If you're letting all these outside factors play a part, you can end up coming out like I did with a loss, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's the booze and everything like that, playing the villain. I wouldn't say villain because Canada, the Canada crowd, don't get me wrong, they're going to support their own town boy. It's yeah. the same in London. But they were so nice. I can't even lie. Like, Toronto was like the UK. It was like the UK, like how it's built. Cold as hell. 
cold in here. I've never felt cold mm. like it, but the people were nicer. Like, very approachable. Like, could literally come up to you, oh, how are you doing? Well done on the win. Can I get a picture? And this was, this like, a couple of days later when I was in a restaurant with my partner, and I was like, they're just so nice, you know what I mean? In the moment, of course they're going to support their own town. You get a few boos. But then when I'm walking out the cage, you're all cheering me. That is the game, isn't it? It's yeah. like winner and win and lose doesn't matter. Just they're supporting their own. It's also the Canadian stereotype, isn't it? That they're overly polite, unlike yeah, their American neighbours. They're like they're like too polite. They'll like even the rough yeah. areas of Canada. They'll mug you, but then apologise for it. Like, that is literally <laughs> what. It, honestly, we were like waiting for an Uber outside. This is one story I tell everyone. It was like we're waiting for an Uber outside, and an old lady like. Like vulnerable old lady come over to us and like, oh, do you, you're okay. You need directions and stuff. You wouldn't get that in London. No, not to a young couple because there's like you don't know yeah. what they're going to do. You're vulnerable. You're a bit older. She was coming over chilling, mm. like didn't know who, and it was just like that alone was like they're so nice and like yeah. booze and that. They're just like said supporting their own, that, and they would do the same here. It's 100%. just where you're from. You support your own, but. It didn't that that stereotype's not helped, is it, by Canadian fighters? Like the most, uh, the horriblest fighter ever, like George St. Pierre, oh, or, yeah. or oh, their yeah. adopted son, Such Arnold Allen. Arnold oh, Allen's a horrible oh, yeah, man, exactly isn't he? Like, that. <laughs> there is that one guy. No, they're so nice, and it was an amazing place. Just all my, all my career, sorry, all my career, I've been like fighting in hot countries. This is the first cold one I went to, yeah. and I was like, I fought in Russia, and it was warmer in Russia than it was here. <laughs> and I was like, everyone's like, oh, you must be used to it. It was different. I've never felt cold like yeah. it. I was like. Just send me somewhere warm next time. I don't want to go back to a cold country like that. It was freezing. What's that vibe like with, like, you know, when, when you're on the circuit, certainly, you know, in, in the UFC and the bigger organisations where you see other UK fighters? I mean, obviously, you would have seen Arnold at the, the, yes, yeah. the, the Canada fight. And, you know, is there a, a camaraderie? Is there a vibe between, you know, the fella Brits when you're on these shows? Yeah, there was respect. Like, I actually trained with Arnold at Team Renegade. Um, when he was fighting Dan Hooker, I went up there and got rounds in women for that because I was obviously a tall lightweight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've met Arnold before and they're very respectful. Um, the whole week, I, it was very respectful. I didn't actually see my opponent the whole week till the face-offs. I was very surprised. Normally, you're all in the fight hotel, you're yeah. not bumping into each other. I didn't run through him once. I don't think I did anyway. If I did, I didn't realise. Um, he was hiding. Yeah, or, or I was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was, it's, a, it's very respectful. And the UK support, like, again, he, Arnold Allen was seen as, like, a Canadian out there. Because mm. he trains at TriStar. Yeah, Tristar. They yeah. saw him more as a Canadian. Mm. Um, but yeah, I saw Arnold said hello. Um, I would if he was over here. Very respectful. Speaking of Arnold Allen, just to slightly digress, there was a, that situation at UFC 297 where mm. he fought Mozar Evloev, and there's talk now of potential changes to the whole grounded opponent rule. I don't know if you've seen much on that. They're trying but to take away the... the they're hat. trying to say that you need to have either, like, your, the, the, the blade of your arm or, like, a knee or so, something else on the ground. It can't just be that I've got two feet and, and one hand. You're or playing the game. How, how do you feel about that, and how do you feel about like knees to a grand opponent all that kind of it stuff it should just be yeah um, if you've got your hand down it should be like old school pride rules in that way yeah. the game has evolved so much if I, like if you're playing the game like like putting your hand down but it's not fully down yeah you should be able to take a knee to the head you know what I mean like you're playing the game you know it's there there's a reason you're putting your hand down up down yeah. you're playing that you should be grounded if you're grounded fully like I mean you're on the floor you're in the jujitsu world you're grappling then yes no knees but I don't think it's. I think you should be able to knee to the head. I'm being in that situation myself, so it's easy me saying that. 
but maybe if I'm there and I'm, I don't want to take it in the head, just put yeah. a hand down. Maybe it's different. I might think yeah. about it differently. Luckily, I haven't been in that situation. But we saw it at the weekend, didn't we? There, there was a fight, put his hand down, and then got kicked in oh, yeah, the head. Oh yeah, that was the main that, event, was it? That was, yeah, that was yeah. In, in Marvel. It yeah, was in Marvel. Yeah. Well, of course, it was. Yeah, the yeah. main event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it is. It is a weird one. And was his hand down? I haven't seen the whole fight. I think it was like down. It. But again, it's it's that thing of like the other crazy thing that I don't know if you've you've experienced the whole thing with this rule is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's not a unified rule for everywhere. So where, yeah. where was yeah, the fight? Was it Ottawa? Or, yes, it was. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Like, so they got yeah. different commissions. They, different yeah. St- yeah, yeah, yeah. So for them, it was like the hand doesn't have to be weight-bearing. You can literally just have like your fingertips yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Whereas in other parts of America, just a few weeks before, yeah. I think there was Vegas a fight or... where someone was dragging their fingertips yeah. along and they were getting kneed in the head and, and complaining. It... But the ref was like, no, those yeah. are legal knees because it has to be a weight-bearing yes. hand. It's like, it seems like a lot to ask yeah. fighters to go, depending on what state of what country you're in, the rules different are different. Rules. Shouldn't no. it just be all the it same? Should, that's everywhere. one thing I do think. It should be the same absolutely everywhere you go because at least then there's no guessing like because yeah. in the moment again you're fighting it's all 100 miles per hour mm. you really think you're thinking about what state you're in if I'm allowed to throw a knee I know they tell you before the fight but what that's 20 minutes before you fight you've done 12 weeks of instinctive work for this moment you think it ain't going to play a factor I think yeah. it should be the same rules everywhere if you're going to do it you're grounded If, if yeah. like everywhere should be the same regardless of states why is it different in different places I don't get um it makes it easier for the fighters and there'll be a lot less of these moments, these situations where there's controversy, let's say. There'll be a lot less of it. Like mm. um, Aljamain Sterling played the game a lot. He would yeah. be on all knee, on his knees shuffling. He got he ended up getting a knee. He got a knee mm-hmm. by Peter in that fight. Controversy. If you just Changes make the, the same rules everywhere it is, maybe some of this controversy gets taken mm. away. Yep, I agree. Look, let's try and give the fans a bit more of an insight into, into who Sam Patterson is. Um, so where actually did, because normally we'd start the show with this mm. question about like where you grew up, but because you had such a great win at UFC 297, yep. we felt like we had to start yep. there. But where did you actually grow up? And did you feel like in that area that you grew up that you kind of had to be tough or you had to deal with confrontation a lot or anything like that? Yeah, I grew up in like, um, to be fair, it was a nice area, but it was an area like um, Battlers Green, Radlett, Watford area, where I am now, I'm still there. Um, 
it was a nice area, but it was just nothing to do. So as kids, you're just causing trouble. Like it might be silly stuff, but as you get older, you realize you start taking more risks and doing a lot more wrong stuff. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing else to do, and especially what growing kind up. What kind of wrong stuff we're talking, Sam? Oh, it could have been back in the day, it was knocked down ginger, but then it could have went like, <laughs> it goes a bit deeper and you start doing, you take more as you get older, but lucky I never got to that point. Yeah. My, my parents put me into martial arts and my younger brothers when I was 14, 13. So I never, so that teenage years where you, you go from knocked down ginger as like mm -hmm. a 10 year old thinking you're a bad boy to doing like more troublesome stuff, like robbing shops, ro like them kind, I never hit yeah. that point. And the yep. people I did hang around with, some of them did, and they ended up going down the wrong route, jail and stuff like that. I was very fortunate. My parents put me into martial arts when I was younger. Like again, I, I grew up with four brothers. We'd always fight in the house. And my, yeah. I think two reasons. My parents thought if we put them in the gym, they're not causing trouble on the street and they're not being pain in the asses at home. They're, they're tired by the time they get home from yeah. training at the gym. So, yeah, those kind of years were pivotal when it comes to like maybe going down the wrong path or the right path. Like I said, I might have still been absolutely fine, but you just don't know. That's yeah, hindsight. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate. I did go into it. Do my parents believe that I was going to turn out to be this, like in the UFC fighting? They probably hope not because obviously it's fighting. They don't want me doing it, but it paid off. You know, I was in the gym training. I was like a sponge. I still am today. Like if you show, I'm just trying to pick up as much knowledge as possible as a martial artist and evolve my game and just, I soak it up so fast. I did when I was a kid. I still do today. So what was it then? What, what was the first discipline? See, that, I was very fortunate. I actually started in MMA, in mixed Amazing. martial arts. I, was, I would say I was the first kind of lot. I started at a place, Gintas Combat, um, and I had Corey Tate uh, was my coach when I was younger, and he was like UC MMA champion mm. and stuff like that. So he was doing really well in the UK scene. Um, and he was my coach, and it was like looking up to him was like, wow, look at this guy. He's the man. Like, especially watching like, films like Kickboxer, and I grew up watching fight films. Like, yeah, we never yeah. watched any... Yeah like Teletubbies or saying my yeah. dad would have us watching Kitboxer, Steven Seagal. So seeing like Corey Tate do it all in like real life, it's like, God, this is amazing. Like you start looking up to him. Mm. And um, yeah, I started in MMA. He showed me everything like as a teenage boy, as a young adult. And then I moved over to Team Crossface um, when Gintas Combat closed down. I'm, uh, David Lee opened a place in Watford, so I didn't have to move. Obviously I was young. I didn't have a car or anything, so I couldn't travel with him. Um, and David Lee opened up his place, Team Crossface. I moved over to there and never looked back. And uh, yeah, here we are today. What do you think you would have been if you weren't a fighter? I got asked that at the, uh, during fight week on a media thing. And it's like, I don't know. Like if I, I can only go off the people I was surrounded with. And some of them are okay. Some of them have got jobs. Some of them are in jail. It's, I was one of them. I used to hang around, be a troublemaker because there's nothing else to do. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't looking to cause trouble, but you just end up, like I said, yeah. little things just to pass time and get a little thrill from it. Maybe I was always yeah. a thrill chaser because getting chased by the cops when you were younger, you got a thrill from it, you get away, you feel amazing. Like, you've yeah. done nothing really bad. They're only going to give you a step. But I felt like, like Mission Impossible, I just like evaded the cops yeah. or something. You feel like the man. <laughs> but fact, now I look back at it, I go, I probably would have just pulled me over and went, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Why are you running? It was quite funny at the time. Um, so I don't know. Like I can't, I'm just grateful. That's how I look at it. Like I've always worked hard. Um, I was never given anything. My parents would give me a bucket and a sponge and say, go wash your car. Like I always earned what I was given yeah. and it made it feel 10 times better. Yeah. And I've earned this. I've earned getting to the UFC. I wasn't 100%. given my contract. I, wasn't, I had to go earn it. Yeah. And my whole life's been like that. So where I would be, I don't know. What, what do your parents do for a living? You... Um, now my dad used to be like a, used to spray like paint uh, swimming pools. So I used to do all that. Huh. Unfortunately, my dad's disabled now and my mum's his carer. Yeah. Uh, been like that for a few years, got arthritis and stuff in his legs. So... Yeah, he's, bit, um, he's disabled. But yeah, he used to do like spray 
um, swimming pools and stuff like that, like the inside, you know, like all blue and stuff on the inside. Like he would literally yeah. spray all them to make it look like that. And I'm sorry to hear about your dad, by yeah. the way, but like how have they reacted to this? Because you said, you know, they put you in martial arts. So, you know, some of it is their fault in a way. Yes. <laughs> um, but also they maybe wouldn't have wanted or imagined that you'd be a professional fighter. So how do they take to it? Do they... Are they really into it? Are they supportive? Are they like, oh, no, I can't watch you? Like, how, how do they react? They're very supportive. They always have been in anything. Like I said, my younger brothers used to do it as well. We had no different upbringing. We were the exact same, all three of us. Um, I just decided to stick it out. And now they both work. they got their own things they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I was just the one that stuck it out. I think they would maybe prefer me doing a normal job where they don't have these stresses, but yeah. it keeps them alive, you know? It keeps them, <laughs> keeps them, keeps them going, <laughs> I believe. Like, if it was just normal, it would be boring. Um, I keep them going, I keep them alive. Um, again, that London card, it got to the point my parents were so used to seeing me win, they thought I was just going to go in there and win again. And it brought yeah. them back to reality that yeah. what I do is very real. Mm. And, uh, like, my mum didn't watch my last fight where she's, she was at the London card and she watched all the ones yeah. before. They would sit down, make a vent of it. But it got to the point winning was so normal, that's all I was going to do. Yeah. So I do think it brought him back to reality and realised I am fighting for my life in there. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they would have thought it went this deep, but hopefully I make enough money and I actually can pay them back for everything they've done yeah. for me. That is my ultimate aim. Uh, I'd like to secure my parents. That would be big achievement for me, probably the biggest over a title or anything like that, probably. Yeah. Amazing. I'd love to see it. <laughs> that... that- Sort of time where you was getting into. I mean, it's so impressive that you, you started in, in MMA. Um, around that time, like I, I presume you was you was watching the, the the UFC as well. What what sort of fighters were inspiring you in the sort of early years of learning the learning the sport? Yeah, like growing when I was a kid, I, I like I said, I didn't really watch the UFC. Mm. I watched like Corey at the time. I'd watch Corey Tate's fights and Paul uh, Paulie was another person, and they would watch all their fights, and I'd be like inspired by them. It went until I got a bit older and I realised what the UFC was. I started watching. I would say, like, I had, like, I was in the era, I would say, a bit later, actually, like, Andy Pettis, when he was in his prime, mm-hmm. he was one, like, one fighter because he was flashy, but he yeah, shot, yeah, he really yeah. was outside of box. Yeah. Um, but the one that really turned it for me and my favourite fight today, still today, is um, John Jones versus Alexander Gustin, oh, the first man. one. What a that fight. was one of my favourite. I still watch that today and I go, that's still my favourite fight. There's been so many now that you can, yeah. there's so many great ones. But that was one that, that I kind of started watching the sport and getting involved with the sport. Yeah. It's probably from there. Which weren't that long ago, if you think about it, really. It weren't. Yeah. When I started at 14, there were probably a lot more fights that I could have watched. It was probably around 16, 17 I got involved. It's a cracker, though, that one, isn't it? Oh, it's one of my favourites still. Still today, yeah. what a performance yeah. from Look, Gustin. Hopefully, we've got some really big fights coming our way. We want to get your just quick picks oh, on okay. certain fights. So, if it happens, Conor V. Chandler, who takes it? Ooh. I think... Oh, it depends which one shows up. I would say McGregor. It depends yeah. which one shows up. Yeah, I If sure. he's like, again, you're always the old Connor, but you can never, you're always evolving. He's never going to be no. the same person he was then. I believe he's more used to the moment that surrounds him. Mm-hmm. Is Chandler? I don't think so, but he's dangerous, man. And yeah. I, the quick picks will keep doing, but I have never, I used to, I didn't mind this, but ever since when Strickland beat Adesanya, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was like, I'm never picking fights again. It was like the one that I was like, that oh. can't he, strike, especially how he done it. I was like, no way. Like Adesanya all day long. And he went in there and done what he done. Fighting is so, they can go yeah. either way. But um, yeah, I'd go McGregor. But it really, I think the surrounding things play a factor for that yeah. more than the fight itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think in terms of getting stuff wrong, I mean, we're, we're doing it every uh, week. You can't, you can't <laughs> get them all right. A year ago, if someone would have said Drickers, he's fighting Sean Strickland for the middleweight exactly. title. 
No. Or Strickland beating yeah. Adesanya yeah. in striking. Yeah. Like, no way. But that's fighting. That's what yeah. makes it so entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you can guess all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Never have I ever got 100 out of 100. But no. Yeah. I mean, Juliana Pena versus Nunes in their first fight. I mean, uh, who saw that coming? Exactly. Like, Especially what Nunes was on as well. Yeah. She was just smashing, like Crazy. running through people. Yep. And then that yeah. happens like... You can't believe it. It's like shock. I mean, mm. I think it's one of the most brilliant things about the sport yeah. is it really can go either way. I mean, we're talking about upsets. There was, you for you, like Home and Rousey, your Sarah versus GSP. There's so many that you can, uh, Pena, Nunes, even Alexa Grasso, Shevchenko uh, uh, more recently as well. It's like, there's so many big upsets. You're like, where did that come from? And that's what makes this and, sport so amazing. And as you say, Strickland, yeah, that's I, I completely agree. Um, if it happens, it's your division now. Leon Bala. If it happens, I believe Leon. I've yeah. I've been very fortunate to go to Renegade, um, train alongside Leon. Not not as much as like every day, but I've been there and um, train with him. And what an athlete he is! Like yeah. honestly, he is a true martial artist, like high high level. Um, I believe he gets the job done, especially the kind of uh, momentum he's on as well. I yeah. think it, these factors of like sitting out waiting for a title shot and the person being active fighting all the time does play a factor as well. Look mm-hmm. at Kobe Covington when he fought Usman and stuff like that, he was active. He gave him trouble. But then he sat on the sidelines waiting for the Leon fight. And Leon just, I do believe it would have happened like that anyway, but maybe it would have been more competitive. So the outside factors play a factor as well. And um, Bilal sitting out since the Sean Brady fight, if I'm not mistaken, was his last one. Could play a factor. And I believe Leon is... Just every time he's like, I think I saw a thing about when you get the title, you become 30% better or something. He's proving that. God, look at him now. Um, It's incredible. How was that training with Leon? Training with a UFC champ? Are you there going, God, how far ahead of the curve um, or behind am I? Do you you ever kind of look at it in that way? No, you can't look at it. I don't. I I, I just, I'm like a sponge. If I can just pick up one thing from anyone, I take it, you know, like I'm always trying to learn. And if I can keep that approach, I believe I'll be up there you know I'll actually yeah. do really well as soon as I think I know it all I'm not going to evolve I'm going to fall behind and yeah. start getting beat a lot more so yeah. I've always had a mindset of just levelling up and taking little bits from anyone and it was when Leon was fighting Nate Diaz I went up there to because again tall rangy I've always been like kind of helped uh, help people with that kind of sparring look um, and yeah we went up there it was at their old gym actually before they're at their new place now and at the time the one thing I took was like He's like an like an athlete. Like a, I know that we're all like athletes, but I was a boy. But he is like a true athlete. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's incredible. What about uh, UFC three hundred? Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway. I'm very excited about this fight, but how do you see that going? I'm not even picking. I'm just going to sit back and be a fan for that one. That <laughs> and so I respect that. I, don't even, I can't pick that. I'm just sitting back. I'm a, again. I'm a fan of the sport. Yeah. Like first and foremost, like I, I watch divisions and stuff like. But I'm a fan of the sport. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a cracker! I just oh, want to ridiculous. sit there. Don't even care who wins. Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think it's going to be one of them fights. They both win. Yeah. Like yeah. some certain fights throughout the years, both fighters win. It don't matter who gets their hand raised, and that's one of them. Yeah. I want to end this section on that. I think that's yeah. just such a brilliant answer. There's a couple of other fights here, but I'm not even going to bring that up because that's oh, the best that's, answer. Can't wait. Um, sometimes we like to throw like fighter names <laughs> and you have to give us like either a word or a sentence just about like what you think of, of that fighter or anything that comes to mind when you're okay. talking about that fighter. So let's start with an easy one. Leon Edwards. Champion. Champion. Conor McGregor. The first. And I say that because 
he was the first of his like what he done. Yeah. And people yeah. have tried to follow, but he was the first. And look what he went on to do. I've heard a lot of things said about McGregor, and that is the first time in a situation like these kind of like one word answers I've heard the first. And I think that's incredibly appropriate yeah. with yeah, someone absolutely. like Connor. It's a great answer. Uh, one of your training partners at times, uh, Michael Venom Page. Um, a true martial artist. Yeah. Like I would say, just from the few times that I've been on the mats with him, it, true martial artist. Colby Covington. <laughs> mm. I want to say past it, like he was good. Yeah. But again, however you approach the fight is your choice. What he done in the last one, I don't agree. But just to reiterate, you can swear on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'm trying my best. My parents might watch this, and I don't want to be swearing all the time. It's worse when I get adrenaline because I can't help it. After a fight and stuff, I'm like, fuck. I say, I say, fuck it at the beginning of every sentence. I swear, and it's like my parents watching. Go, oh really? Like, so I'm trying my best. So don't give me that free reign. Um, I would say past it. Like right. I think he was. He peaked. He's done his time. Uh, Nate Diaz. OG. Ian Gary. Coming up. I can't think of him. Yeah. Tom Aspinall. Heavyweight champ. Yes. And uh, because we've just done a big episode about him, and if you haven't watched that episode yet, uh, we had Scroobius Pip on the show. I think it'll be coming out after this, actually. Mm. So we're talking about... I'm not, oh, I'm about to give it away. You're going to be really yeah, unhappy I'll with me. Give him a sneak peek. Uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, I can't think of a good enough word to just describe the man. What a, I want to say OG again, but I've used that, so I'm going to go um, savage. Savage. And we're, only because we're talking about, we were talking about Roy McDonald before yeah. we started this. Yeah. And that fight alone, just just savage, where his lips all split and that. Yeah, that deserves that statement, savage. Yeah. I, d- perfect, perfect. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely uh, wonderful. So what's, what's coming up? I spoke with my management. Um, again, I want a quick turnaround. Um, in this in this sport and in this game, when you're injured, all you want to do is fight. So when you're healthy, you need to maximise it. And um, I want to get out of there as quick as possible. I think we're looking at May, which is quite a quick turnaround. It gives me time to just decompress. Like I said, I was in there two minutes, but I trained my arse off for 12 weeks, if not 10 months since the last fight. I've trained hard for this moment. So a um, couple of weeks of decompression and I'm um, get back into training camp to get a quick turnaround. But I'm looking at May. Um, but what I want and what I get in the UFC is two different things. I'm not in the situation to call my shots. I just see what we've got available. I'll see what my management say. Absolutely. Obviously, we'll be looking forward to it. We'll be supporting you all the way. Thank hoping you very much. That, uh, if there's a fight for May, maybe we get you back on before or yes. after or whatever you want to do. Yeah, 100%. Um, so is there anything else you want to shout out or talk about before we let you go? I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, it's very easy when people cancel and stuff to move on. And you've supported me even when I lost. I lost because a lot of people are on the bandwagon when you're winning. But when you lose, you realise who's actually still interested in you as a a fighter and as a martial artist so I just want to say thank you to you guys for having me on even though I cancelled on you um, I'm no, glad it happened it was a great Absolutely podcast yeah, no, and it's, as we said it's all worked out perfectly coming on off the back of a win yes so and a full belly so I'm nice <laughs> and full uh, <laughs> that's the main I'm fresh thing. before a fight you're tired and you're, you're a bit hungry but I'm fresh as a daisy so yeah and Sam if people want to follow you on, on the socials where's the best place uh, Instagram I use Instagram the most I would say um, it's Sam Patson 155 I need to change it I need to be 170 now yes. not 155 <laughs> but that's a whole process being there uh, uh, verifying that you can't just change your username but yes Sam Patson 155 on Instagram and uh, thank you to everyone thank you for the support and all the fans out there thank you absolute Top pleasure man. mate thank you so much for coming down to the studio and coming on the show ladies and gentlemen Sam Patson